Man Show. We're joined by a friend of the show, the coach of the North Texas Mean Green. We saw him earlier this year. He played Georgia Tech over there at the pavilion and almost gave him a good game there. Made, made them sweat a little bit. Coach Grant McCaslin on the Boss Man Show. Coach Mac, man, I know you're happy winning that CBI title, man. It's a good way to end the, end the year, right? It is, man. It's great to be back. Good to see you and talk to you again. Yeah, man, we we, we, we had a good finish. Uh, it's a it's proven to be a, a springboard to some great seasons. Uh, you don't have to look further than Loyola and Nevada, who won it two of the last three years before we did. You know, both those teams ended up in the Sweet 16, and Loyola obviously going to the Final Four. So we're hoping we can kind of – get the same return on it that those teams did, and and uh, it was a great experience. I hate that, Coach. And I, and I want to ask you, Coach, I know some schools decide not to play without the NIT or the NCAA. So what went into this you and your AD decided to, hey, let's go into CBI and keep playing here? You know, great question. Uh, the biggest thing is we need to all our our rosters really young. Uh, um, you know, we started uh, two sophomores, a freshman, and two juniors. So for us to get that experience, and throughout the year, we we basically started, you know, four sophomores, three sophomores, two freshmen. We had a really young team, and to get postseason experience uh, for us was a huge uh, value and allowed us to to be able to continue to coach them and to have the experience of playing uh, in some meaningful games in March, that was the overlying uh, theme in our conversations was just let's, let's keep playing in some games that matter and to teach our team how to win in, in postseason. Now, Coach, I, I want to go back to the conference tournament for, for real quick with you. How cool is it to actually play – in the star, being a Cowboy fan. How cool is that to actually have the Come on, man. those two courts and play in there, man? Uh, I'm telling you what, I, I think everybody was a bit apprehensive just because the venue had basketball game yet. Uh, the, the star being right in the heart of Frisco and what Jerry's done in developing that area, honestly, is remarkable. I mean, it is – it's a – like the hotels, the shops, the whole atmosphere there for a tournament is really unique. And then it had an NCAA tournament feel, to be honest. I mean, it, it because they're the temporary bleach, but was in the middle of a football field and all those NCAA tournament games, when you get to the regional rounds, are all in football stadiums. Uh, and so it really had a unique feel. And then on top of that, everybody knows that the Cowboys don't do anything unless it's first class. So between the locker rooms and the, the whole area and the whole atmosphere beyond just basketball was, was it, it doesn't get better from a, from an athletic atmosphere. So we, you know, it was, it was, uh, uh, everybody loved it and we're excited because we get it back here next year again and I think it'll even be better because they'll work some of the kinks out uh, to make it to make it one of the best college tournament environments in the country. Now, Coach, I was thinking because since you guys are right there in North Texas, right there in Denton, that you walk maybe play a game in there yourself, non-conference maybe, maybe lure a big school in there to play you in there. You know, some cool. Man, that's a great – hey, 
you thinking like I was thinking. We've asked that question, but because it's during football season, the Cowboys won't allow anything. Since March, uh, we're all in conference play February and March. Those are the only times they won't let you play in there till after the Super Bowl. So, because they need that facility, because you know the Cowboys are planning on playing in the Super Bowl, so they got to have a practice venue uh, to use up until that date. So that's the hardest thing is there's just no, there's not a time frame that would allow us to do it. Um, you know, we could play there in February, but at that point we're all in conference play and nobody has open dates. Yeah, I got you on that, Coach. Now, also, Coach, I, I thought it was cool the way it was on TV. You know, I was, I was, I was just amazed at it. You know, I've seen your Georgia Dome be opened up for basketball or seen the Final Four open up, but seeing it like how two quick going at the same time, kind of, like I said, it kind of reminds you of the NCAA tournament, kind of reminds you of AAU ball to a degree. We have all of all those courts going at the same time. Probably energy and the fans that kind of gave you guys a little bit more energy to play because it's a uh, buzz now. It was like the weather probably getting college basketball. Yeah, it was. It was a blend. You know, it was unique because because of the the simultaneous games, it gave it another feel like you were, you know, like you were playing in 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 a tournament where there were multiple games going on. Had I mean, it was unique. I never even seen it before at our level. Uh, but there was some concern about whistles. You know, you could hear the other team's bands on the other court. You know, the horns, like literally there was not one situation where you could hear. You you knew there was some, you know, some white noise going on on the other side, but never was there any a time where there was confusion uh, in regards to the whistle. So it was, man, it turned out to be to be a fun atmosphere to have four different teams playing all at the same time. And nobody ever had their men and their women playing at the same time, so you didn't ever feel like you were getting pulled in multiple directions uh, if you were, you know, a fan of North Texas and wanted to watch the games because they were all at different times. Uh, so it, it turned out to be, uh, to be, you know, quite a quite a unique uh, feel for the game. And speaking of this, cool. How was cool was to play the same team? three times in a row. You know, you had two of your plays out there you play out of San Francisco. And is that a format you want to see maybe in pre-conference tournament games or other tournaments, not the, not the NCAA tournament, that have this best two out of three for a championship game? I think it's kind of cool to kind of get that feel to play a series against a, a team and, and see how adjustments you can make. And kind of test you all as the coaches will, see what, how you can change up some calls here, change up a strategy here to, to get over the hump and win these games. Yeah, I mean, that was – that was – I think for the first time in in my career as a coach, I finally got to you know understand what it's like to you know for an NBA staff to to have the adjustments. I mean, everybody plays the same team maybe in conference play twice, and you may play them close to each other. And then the third time you may play them in a, in a conference tournament. So it's not like that's something completely unique to, to our level. Uh, and there's even a chance you could play a team four times if you faced them in the NCAA tournament. So it's not, but to have it back to back to back like that, that was, that was fun. Uh, because there wasn't enough time to actually practice. There was only enough time to maybe make a few adjustments 
and to fly across the country, it did give it a pro feel. I mean, like, you know, like you were, like you were in the NBA to some degree and you were playing in a, a playoff series and for our fans to be a part of it, I think that was the most fun because they got to see, you know, a unique format of basketball, uh, and, and like that you don't get a chance to see at our level. And, uh, it was fun. I mean, we, we made some adjustments. I felt like we're key to us winning and, uh, you know, as a staff, I can't say enough great things about our crew because it just seemed like we were timely in the way we made the adjustments and uh, definitely, definitely a unique experience and and made for made for a fun basketball uh, uh, strategy uh, opportunity. Now, coach, did you all like change calls of uh, kind of use some? Gummy calls. I know the Hawks tend to use like the Hawks. Like I told you, play Miami tonight again. I have to play them last night. So the Hawks used dummy calls last night. They're gonna change the calls again tonight. So they don't. don't everybody thinks the call was really something else tonight. So did you all kind of use that kind of throw? Use the audible almost throw them off a little bit. They think, oh, we know this is gonna be a, a down screen, blah blah blah. But then you really something else because you changed the whole call from having a day off. Yeah, we what we did was we predetermined um, a few of the plays that we knew we would use at the end of the game. And we did give them different calls. Um, and over the course of the game, we had uh, some plays that we already had calls for that we just used hand signals for. Um, so we didn't ever call it out. And we just you know, had, so we had a series of plays that we used during the game during the game that were hand signals that were different than the calls that we had used all year. And then we had uh, sets at the end of the game that we did change the call on. So that was a fun, that was a fun adjustment. We were, we were a part of. Now coach, uh, I know this is probably helping you in recruiting right now. You can say, Hey, we want, we, we want to see CBI. We can lead any year on a win. So um, I'm thinking guys now want to come, you know, play for you now more because of seeing you guys actually win. You can tout you won a tournament and you be you, building something here. I know, you, I know you, you, you want to make the big dance, but you made it. You made, you made an impact. So how you feeling on the recruiting trail right now, knowing that you're going out with a win and our guys kind of responding more to you and your staff and saying, hey, coach, I want to come now. I see what you guys are doing down there and building something real nice. Yeah, well, that was the be- that that probably is definitely a part of it. But the fact that we had those games on ESPN and we were able to tell guys that we were recruiting, there were there were only at that point in the season there were only eight teams left playing. There were the final four teams, and the NIT championship was done on Thursday night. And then the CIT, my good friend Jeff Linder, is the head coach at Northern Colorado, uh, beat. Uh, uh, beat uh, UIC. UIC on Friday night, and we'd actually scrimmaged them early in the year. And so what you were able to do for us was like it was a dead period, so it wasn't like you could have anybody on campus officially, but we were able to tell everybody, watch us play. And our environment, we had over 6,000 people uh, at the game, and for them to be able to see that and see how we play – and to have that 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 captive audience really, I mean, we were the only game, only basketball game uh, for college on ESPN that night. So th- that part of it was a huge advantage for us. And then the other part was, you know, just validating what recruits are seeing. I mean, we've had the best turnaround on Ken Palm, which is a statistical way to analyze games. 
back-to-back years now from what we did, our staff did the previous season in addition to this year. I mean, I think we've moved up like 220 spots when you combine both years. And the next closest was like 92. So, I mean, we have 130, you know, place jump out of 351 teams above anybody in the country combined over the last two years. So everybody knows, you know, that we're able to do this and it's only going to get better and that definitely has been a huge advantage for us recruiting-wise moving forward that, you know, we're going to win championships. We've been able to do it in our first year, uh, make big turnarounds, and there's even more opportunity for guys to improve and get better here, you know, by coming to North Texas. Yeah, Coach, I think top to bottom, uh, the the conference U.S. conference has pretty much improved. You know, we got a lot of new coaches in the conference, a lot, a lot of new blood, but you want to be one of the best things you coach. Then you get to you, you'll be a vet. All the change you got in, the, in your conference right now. But I feel like from top to bottom, you guys have gotten better, which is going to help you guys hopefully get more bids in the tournament rather than just one bid. Because unfortunately, Milton L.C. got left out. But I feel like it's quality basketball in your conference. It should be a more than a one bid league. Well, every year our leagues won a game in the NCAA tournament and we've had the lower seed in the last four years. So, you know, you go back and you talk about Middle Tennessee obviously winning a game the last two years, UAB four years ago, and then this year Marshall um, winning a game in the NCAA tournament obviously proves, you know, and Western Kentucky made it to the NIT, you know, made it to New York, one at USC, one at Oklahoma State. Uh, and uh, I, there's definitely an excitement. Last year, the RPI and Ken Palm ranking of our conference was like 21 in the country. This year, we're the 10th best team, 10th best conference in the country, you know, out of 31. So definitely some huge improvements. We've got some new coaches in the league that will do a fantastic job. I mean, I just think they're the best days are ahead for our league. Well, I want to go for you, Coach. This now, I love watching the women's game because of the rules and the Florida game for us, the ten minute quarters, the timeouts, and the advancing the ball. So, was there going to come a point in time where D one will finally move to four quarters and advancing the ball and making it a little bit better, making it making like more synchronized the game with every other way you get basketball is played around the world? I know every. I know there's a there's a an overall feel of college basketball that this makes us unique to have two core two halves play 20 minutes and all that but it's it's inevitable man I, I hope it's sooner than later uh I may be in the minority on this uh as of right now but I I just think it's a it's a huge advantage for all these young guys just to be consistent because every international professional league they're going to play in and then from high school the four quarters you know which we need to get a shot clock in the state of texas in high school you know even if you put more time on it and allow them to have more time per possession like we used to have 35 seconds and then you know it moves down to 30 when you get to our level and then 24 when you move up to 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 the next level but i I just i'm a huge advocate for it i agree with you i mean we need to we need to be consistent across the board and regardless of the ability it makes our game unique i think it also doesn't benefit it uh and definitely doesn't outweigh the uniqueness doesn't outweigh the benefit of being consistent and i'm with you though i I hope that change happens soon it's not on the docket for this year i do know that but it definitely looks like it's on the horizon 
Coach Mack, I'll tell you what, man. It's good having the show, man. I'm looking forward to finding out later this month when the Dallas Cowboys be in Atlanta, man. I'm looking forward to that schedule coming out. I hope it's early. My fan, I know you are, man. I can't wait, Coach. That's my coach. It's the only game of the year I, I risk getting fired because I wear my cowboy gear, not my Falcon gear to work. <laughs> hey, that is risky business. That is risky business, but it's worth it, man, because when you're a cowboy, you're for life. Coach, I'm going to tell you how bad. Last year, I wore my cowboy polo, and I said, I still wear the Falcon Radio Network polo. I said, look, I'm, I'm doing this today. And I was like, what's wrong with you? Well, I work for you all, but I'm really a Cowboy fan, so they're here today, so I'm just going to do my job but still cheer for them. But they clown because the Cowboys got beat that day because that's the game, game Chance Green gave up five sacks. They say clown me for it, but it was worth to get clowned. My team was in town, and I, I enjoyed it. Hey, controversy don't hurt nobody. You got that right, Coach. <laughs> you got that right. Hey, man, thanks always, Coach. I'll talk to you real soon, buddy. Thanks for having me on. your photo video and voiceover needs check out the fine folks blue ray productions they will take good care of you if you don't believe me you can see for yourself check out their work at blueberryproductions.tv the facebook page blueberry productions also a vimeo page a youtube page and it's blueberry b-l-u-b-e-r-r-y prod on twitter check them out today blueberry productions great people great work great service Showtime for this year's last top three with Tyndall college basketball recap of the championship game. Now I must announce, Coach, uh, you won the regular season title and you won the tournament title as well, Coach. You went seven and three in tournament play. I went six and four, and John, of course, doing what John does, he went three and seven, Coach. So <laughs> I, I'll allow you to talk about your win this year in the regular season and the tournament play, Coach. I'm gonna let you. Get your glow on, Coach. So go right ahead. Feel free, brother. Well, well the, the, when you listen to those rankings, it probably stacks up like this. Uh, Logan's or Texas uh, Roadhouse on you for, for me. And then John, you only Ruth Chris, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Logan's is good, Coach. I can do Logan's. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. Sounds great. So, Coach, it's always fun as always, Coach. Uh, I, 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 I feel good that I came right one game below you because, you know, you're your former coach. You're a very smart man. So, me to be right behind you, I'll take some solos in that. But John, being that horrible in the cellar, he should be fired for life. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> that word cellar or the cellar dweller uh, term 
will be with John for a lot of years down the road. It's going to be hard for him to overcome that, boss man. You got there right, Coach. And Coach, uh, I watched the game a lot. I watched for some key things here, Coach, and I'll let you talk about it here shortly here. I feel like Michigan came out with so much energy, Coach. They gassed out. I feel like they was just so amped up. They were so ready to play Villanova, but so much energy to stopping those guys. I feel like guys who can shoot, shoot three-pointers. And they gassed out. Anyway, in that first half and the game changed there. And not to mention what Dante Divincino did. Uh, but just I felt like those guys came out so, so, with so much energy and they kind of get gassed out. They didn't they didn't, play, play, they didn't give themselves enough pace to get through the whole game. It kind of came out there and boom, it was over for them. Well, you know, I, I think it's so hard to pace yourself in a game like that, obviously. You know, all you hear the, from your staff and the entire two days building up to the game is you got to play every dribble as hard as you've ever played in your life, and you really do to give yourself a chance to win. And and I think that, um, you know, Michigan came out, and the biggest thing, the big kid Wagner, however you say his last name inside, really impacted that game, not just in the post, but he hit a three, and, you know, he was really, really involved, and I think, as the game wore on and Villanova made some defensive adjustments and limited his touches a little bit, the rest of those guys didn't step up like maybe they had in prior games. And, and give Villanova credit. You know, Jay Wright and his staff do a great job of making adjustments. Uh, the one thing I've, I've said playing, uh, spending a couple years in the NBA now is you can tell Villanova has a huge NBA influence in their style of play. And, you know, Jay Wright's been rumored for years to be a possible NBA coaching candidate. And I'm telling you, of all the college teams you see play, Villanova plays more offensively like an NBA team than anybody else. The spacing, the angles of their ball screening, uh, the different things that they do with dribble handoffs and, and, and getting guys to really space the floor. Now it helps when you've got four guys that can all make threes, and sometimes they have five guys on the floor that can make threes. Um, but their spacing is fantastic, and those kids are tough. Uh, they were resilient. The game didn't start the way they wanted it to, and yet they kept clawing and scrapping and eventually took the game over. And you're right, uh, the DiCinzio kid, or however you say his last name off the bench, um, he, he was a superstar. I mean, I told people he looked like a, a young Rex Chapman in that game. Now, Coach, uh, I got to say, like you said, he brings him off the bench. Like, he really he really could start, but he brought the energy that they needed. They was, like, came out kind of flat. They were, Michigan was throwing their best punch out of my like we said, and then Dante DiVincenzo comes in there and just goes off. And, you know, for six minutes, the most outstanding player of a championship game is, is, is amazing and awesome. Well, it is. I mean, you know, for a guy to have 30-plus points off the bench is incredible, and to do it in that setting, uh, you know, that was a career high for that young guy. So he stepped up. But, you know, the thing the thing that Jay Wright and, and really Kenny Smith, Charles Barkley, all those guys had said in the 48 hours leading up to the game is they had seven guys in that lineup that were capable of getting 20-plus points. And in that particular game, it was the Chenjio's night. And uh, – he stepped up and played with a lot of swag. I mean, he, he was stepping up and shooting that ball. Like, he made shots like that all season long. He was fearless. And, uh, and, and give him credit defensively, too. Now, he made a couple spectacular blocks and ran down uh, a play from behind and ended up blocking it against the backboard, which was a phenomenal play. So, uh, he did it at both ends of the floor. But uh, Jalen Brunson did not get MVP of the tournament. 
because he was in foul trouble in that final. But anytime you've got a point guard that controls the game like he does, uh, that certainly helps you as well. And I thought Jalen Brunson played like a 10-year NBA veteran in the, in, in the tournament. They remind me of Steve Nash, their guard coach, because they, they drive down to the lane, they come back out of the lane, they drive in, and they drill back out. So it reminds me of how Steve Nash used to play that Mike D'Antoni system out there at Dan Phoenix. It, it does, and you know, in the NBA, they call that um, midget when you when you drive in the lane and, and you keep your dribble alive and you kind of circle back out, maybe reverse dribble and attack again. They call that midget, and, and there's certain ways that you defend that uh, based on your rotations uh, of whatever team you happen to be coaching. But uh, you're right, Jalen Brunson uses that midget move or the midget dribble, whatever you want to call it, uh, to, to his advantage. Every time he drives the ball in, he doesn't force things. He waits until the very last second and then makes a great decision, whether it's to score it. Uh, get a guy on an up and under move or deliver a deliver a dime for a layup. So uh, he he's a pro, you know, he's a pro's pro in my opinion. A guy that you can tell his dad having been an NBA vet for many years has taught him the ropes. I'm sure he eats right. He takes care of his body. You can tell he's in amazing condition. And uh, I know he's just a junior, but I'll be shocked if he doesn't declare for the NBA draft in the next day or two. And you know what's good for them about Philadelphia is that they, they don't get the the kids that are one and done kids. They they, they get guys you have to develop. Player player development is really big for Jerry Wright and his staff. And there's, he he looks for guys who he can keep his program building a foundation. So talk about how Jay Wright recruits Villanova, knowing that you can't really get one one, one and done to go there. Well, you know, I I think he's had a couple guys over the years that have been you know one and done or two and done. So it's not like he never has a guy that's fit that bill. But you can tell the nucleus of each and every team is his returning players. And he, he really does a great job, along with obviously his staff, of developing guys. And, you know, that's such a such an underrated um, characteristic or underrated uh, um, part of a program. Everyone wants to know if a guy can X and O. Everyone wants to know if a guy can recruit. But, you know, at the NBA level, and this is another example of Villanova's system, uh, at the NBA level, 99% of everything you talk about is player development. And I think Villanova does as good a job or better than anyone in the country in developing guys and bringing them along to guys that early in their career were maybe 8th, ninth, 10th man. And by the time they're graduating, they're all conference-type players with a chance to play in the NBA. So, again, give, give Jay Wright and his staff credit, not just for being great coaches, not just having a great system with spacing and tempo, but uh, but being a great program that develops their players and makes sure they improve each and every year. And, Coach, we're going to play a development coach. I feel like you've had a good hand in, in the Raptors players up there. Their bench is playing well. So how many of those guys last year on the Raptors 905 as you said, Dwayne Casey's now using in the rotation on the big team now that you and Stag had down there with the 905 team? Well, you know, we had Fred Van Vliet, who's having a, a great year as their backup point guard. We have uh, had the Siakam kid, who's a second-year pro, played a lot with us last year, and he's in their ro- rotation playing mostly at the power forward spot. Uh, we had the big kid from Utah with us some last year as well. And uh, I might be missing one one other, but, you know, three or four of those guys that are in the Raptors' top nine or ten this year uh, were with us and uh, did a great job. And I tell you what, each and every one of those kids 
and, and you'll understand why they have the role they have after I tell you this. We're unbelievable kids as teammates. We're great practice players, guys that would absorb the scouting report and ask questions. They were into it. And um, I think when you see that from a pro, especially a young pro, it tells you how hungry they are, how driven they are to have success. And all those guys you could tell once they eventually got their chance and their opportunity to play would be successful because they were like sponges. You know, if you wanted to watch a little extra tape with Fred Van Vliet, he'd be there. If you wanted to watch some extra tape or, or get some post moves in with Siakam, he would be there. So um, those guys are workers and their mentality is that of being a pro. And I think uh, you can see that in their play this year. Yeah, and, and I, I think it's because I, I watched them because of you. I watched the Raptors more than I would because of you. I, you know, you used to coach with the, the G League team, and I see those guys developing. And I was like, hey, wow, coach had them right on his nose there. You know, those you know, those, you know, the guys in there playing well because the Raptors can really play 11 guys. But And I know it's coached that teams are staggering their minutes to kind of have their starters play against the bench now with Toronto, which is funny that teams actually – they're, they're playing so well that the other teams are actually having staggering minutes to try to match their bench play it's so, so strong this year. Yeah, that, that's been an interesting trend to follow because you're right, their bench play has had such an advantage when you look at the statistics against the opponent's bench the last 30, 40 games of the season. So you're right, teams are trying to tweak their rotation and their lineups a little bit where some of their starters are now playing against the bench players. Um, but, you know, I, I think anytime teams are having to adjust to what we're doing or what the Raptors are doing, then then that's a positive thing for us. And and I know this, Fred Van Vliet's the type of kid, it doesn't matter if he's playing against the 11th, 12th man uh, in an exhibition game or he's playing against James Harden or Chris Paul or, or uh, what Russell Westbrook in the last three minutes of an of a NBA playoff game, he's going to play the same way regardless. That's who Fred is, and, and I think that's the mentality he brings every single night. And you can see it because uh, – He's a big, big part of their success this season and, and their plans moving forward. And, Coach, uh, do, are you one of the proponent of high school players going to the G League rather than going to college? Because I know I saw a kid that's going to do it, and I've seen the G League help guys out and help them develop, like Damian Jones with the Warriors. I mean, he was nowhere anywhere, nowhere where he is now. He wasn't playing in San, San, San Santa Cruz with the Warriors this year. And I figure it helps young guys in the league and young guys coming up as fragments as well who don't, who don't get drafted. So would you be proponent of college kids going from high school to the G League rather than going to play college basketball, or are you wanting us to kind of go there for a year and just get that experience? They didn't try to see if they can make it in the NBA G League or the NBA as well. Well, you know, having been in the college game for so long, Jr., I, I, I'm a huge proponent of, of guys going to college because I think that any time you can step foot on a college campus and go to class in a college environment and travel and do the things that are all part of playing on a college basketball team, those educational experiences are invaluable. Even if it's just for a year or two, it's still a year or two more than maybe – a lot of kids would get. Now, if a kid just hates school and wants no part of a classroom setting, then I think the G League is obviously a great opportunity for a guy to learn and grow and develop. But what you got to understand as an 18-year-old kid going into that to that element or in that environment, there are some grown men in that league trying to feed their family. So it's it's a lot different 
having to beat out a 26, 27-year-old guy that's been in Europe that was in the NBA for a year, bounced around. Now he's trying to get called back up, and, and he's going to try to whip your tail every single day. Um, and he's a man's man. You know, he's a grown man, as they would say. Now in college, you know, the coach is going to have more patience. You're not going to be playing against a 26, 28, 30-year-old man. You're going to have more um room to make mistakes and it's not going to be quite as important because at 18 and as a freshman the coach knows you're going to have some growing pains but when you're in the NBA or the NBA G League there's not a lot of tolerance for mistakes or, or using youth uh, or inexperience as an out you got to produce that's the bottom line so I think if a kid has a chance to go to college even if it's for a year or two he should do that unless they just are dead set on not wanting to go to school. Um, but I don't think there's a whole lot of guys out there that are of that mindset. So I think it would be the best thing, but certainly there's been some guys used to the D league and now G league as a, as a great stepping stone. So coach, this has been our last show of the year coach. I want to ask you what's going to be your off season plans now since uh, college basketball is over the raptor seasons winding down before the playoffs. So, what is your offseason going to entail, Coach? Is it going to clinics or, you know, uh, hosting your own camps and clinics at the same time with your, with, with your girls? What you got going, man? Well, a little bit of all that. I'm going to enjoy the NBA playoffs. Hopefully the Raptors can make a deep run, and uh, and I will definitely spend some time with my girls and, and hang out with them and watch some of my youngest, Gracie. has got some AAU stuff this spring, which I'll get a chance to see some of that and, uh, you know, continue to – work on uh, this diet i've lost about 40 pounds in the last six months so i'm doing well on that trying to maintain that and uh, just kind of see what's out there you know this this for college basketball for me it has to be junior college or nai but there's going to be some openings that i may have an interest in and if not then uh we'll just kind of see what what nba summer league looks like and go from there well coach i would hope you would look at that southwest tennessee job down at memphis it's only a five-hour drive from Atlanta. <laughs> it's open now. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what, I had a great time this year with you and John. You guys are great men. We always laugh and cut up. And, uh, and and I know John can't make it tonight, but you just tell him I've got his cell. He's got mine, and I'm looking forward to that 18-ounce 18 18 uh, ribeye from Ruth Chris and a glass of uh, Riesling wine to go with it too, brother. Coach, I will let him know that because he is the cellar John. Coach, have a great offseason, Coach. We'll talk to you again real soon. Of course, we got each other numbers. We'll definitely be in contact. But look for having the show again next season, Coach. Sounds great, buddy. Thanks for having me. Take care. You too, Coach. Hip-hop fans, I got a great album for you. The debut album from Family Grind ENT, True Speech, and 313 Fresh. We're going to give you two discs, 33 songs of pure, genuine hip-hop. Albums available on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, illstreetrex.com, and streaming live right now on Rhapsody, Beats Music, Spotify, Xbox Music, Slacker Radio, and SoundCloud. 
Check them out today. True Speech and 313 Fresh Family Grind ENT. Believe in it. Get it. Brooks, uh, the former Brooklyn Nets pick a few years ago. We signed him on a 10-day deal, 
And, you know, he balled out the first game um, last week. And, and, well, we, and we won the game. And so people were mad about, about this guy, you know, a 10-day contract guy balling out. Well, I mean, you can't blame him. You know, he's, he's, he's trying to get a long-term, a long-term contract. But we were upset. We were like, hey, man, you know, why you guys bring this guy up? Can you bought somebody else over, you know, uh, for a 10-day contract? Like, we didn't expect him to do that. And so he was benched, <laughs> like, a portion of the next game after that, man. So it, it's, it's kind of – it's really hilarious. But it's sad to think that, you know, this is the state that we're at, you know, where we're just trying our best to lose now. But that's, that's the state of the NBA, man. This one is the Hawks were up by 11 against Miami the other night. And Coach Bud went toward this lineup. Check this out. DeAndre Bembry, Isaiah Taylor, Miles Plumley, Mike Muscala, and John Collins. With Dwayne Deadman, Torian Prince on the bench and over there chilling. But he went with that lineup and the Hawks magically lost the game to Miami after going to that three big and two guard lineup. Man. It's hilarious. You got to love it, though, man. Everybody's trying to improve their odds right now. Is Bickerstaff safe, or is he just trying to train for the next coach that's coming in? Yeah, you know, at this point, it, it really sucks for him because, you know, Bickerstaff is a good guy. You know, he, he just walked in on a bad situation. You know, never thought that after, well, only a year and a half, um, you know, Fizdale would be out. And, uh, you know, he had to take over on an interim basis, but – I think, though, this situation now is really going to mess him up as far as his job opportunities anywhere else. I don't think he'll ever be a head coach anywhere else now because this situation is not fair to him, you know, and the Grizz, you know, of course, not going to bring him back next year. So he's just basically a lame duck uh, interim coach right now that will probably be a career assistant, you know, um, as far as his career going forward. Yeah, it's very unfortunate how that's going right now, and you know what's was crazy to me is that Robert Griffin III got a job, and yeah. <laughs> over Colin Kaepernick and right. I, I hate to say this, but could it be that RG three is a black Republican with a Caucasian wife? Is that why he? Got I a think job it's something to it. I think it's something to it. It, it really is because that should be Kaepernick's job, and we all know last year the situation, the situation you know where the Ravens were thinking about signing them and. You know, uh, failed to pull the trigger on it or whatever, but um, but yeah, I think it's necessary to say you know RG three is the safest possible way to go as far as adding the backup. And you know, um, I don't know how much value he adds to you on the field now, but you know, I, they, of course they're going to sign RG three over uh, a Kaepernick any day. Yeah, you got that right, and also the Lions signed Matt Castle. Please tell me how is Matt Castle or mimic what a Stafford does in Detroit. But yeah, it's it's ridiculous, man. Um, you know, it really is. You know, Matt Castle, who wait somehow, some way, won what ten games, eleven games for the Patriots, eleven games way back in the day. Yeah, exactly, exactly, man. So it's ridiculous, man. You know how all these guys, all these bums, are getting jobs. And Kaepernick can't even get a tryout. And Manziel's getting closer to getting the job. You know, he's on his media tour with Dan Patrick, different shows, kind of show he's rehabilitated, going to put in the spring league, and Colin Kaepernick right. can't get a job. And 
as as, as we, come on MLK fifty is going on in Memphis. Uh, right. It, it's the same thing Dr. King was talking about in nineteen sixty eight. It's happening in two thousand thirteen. We got racism. Mm-hmm. You know all this all this economic equality, the white privileges. Uh, by just being that color, you get certain things. Or if you're a black person who 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 did who this who disenfranchises with the black community and shows that they're not with, they don't stand with, with the same mindset that most blacks think, they will reward you for that. So the same mm-hmm. things he talked about in the '68, it's happened in 2018. But JC, what I was just about, what I have to say is always that hey, if I know my mother was in that, and our mothers were in that same age bracket when he was living. So those same people are babies still living as well, and their kids living who said that same mindset. So what I hope is that our kids' kids can be better for them, even though we will not be to see it for us. No doubt, no doubt. Like you said, you know, MLK fifty going on this week uh, here in the city, man. You know, so you know, like I said, you know, it, it, you, where, where are we fifty years later? You know, have have we made progress? Are things getting better for? For us as a people, as a, us as a culture, and I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's really hard to say. You know, uh, and really, the next twenty-five, next fifty years after this, will we see any vast improvement? You know, it seems like we're going backwards uh, more so than anything. You got that right, and it's just sad and unfortunate what we're seeing. And but we did see see something weird here at the New England Patriots traded away a star wide receiver, Brandon Cooks, to the Rams who were going all in, bro. They trading mm-hmm. piece out the wazoo going all in. They got Akeem Talib, Sue now, Marcus Peters. Now you got Brandon Cooks. The Rams get LA, bro. Like you have to make a splash. You have to have some glitz exactly. make them pay attention to you. The Chargers don't get it. They they just being bland. But the Rams are going for it, and the offense on the Sean McVay and Jared Goff, I feel like, hey, these guys could be exciting, could be a force to wreck record with after the AFC West, along with the 49ers, who up and coming. I feel like I think the Rams were way flips as they coordinate on defense. Sean McVay on offense. Those guys can compete with Philadelphia, Atlanta, the Saints, even the Vikings. And, you know, I feel like the Rams are going to be scared, scary team for years to come. And they all are young, too, with Donald and Super yes. defense. Yeah. The Rams are, are not playing around. They're putting the league on notice. They are in it to win it next year. You know, they got the big stadium. It's getting ready to open up for the next uh, year or two. So, and, and it's, it's Hollywood, man. So, you know, the Rams are definitely making a splash out there with all the additions and – that's going to be one crazy locker room, though. You know, so as a young coach, so it's, I'm, I'm going to be real intrigued to see how he handles all those uh, personalities in the locker room, especially on that defense, you know, with, with Akeem Tlaib. We know how he gets down. You know, he'll snatch a chain right off your neck. Marcus Peters, he's from Oakland, the Bay Area, you know. So, and then Dominican Sue, we all know. By his mood swings and his personality as well, man. So that's gonna be a real interesting locker room coming up uh, this season, man. I'm, I'm 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 really excited to see how they put that all together and uh, you know how you deal with all that. Yeah, man, it's, it's gonna be interesting, man. But you think the way Phillips being that kind of grandpa type of dude will, and him being a, a kind of a, a cuddly bear, warm guy, 
keep them still guys like Sue and Tlaib and Peters and Ryan because Tlaib's going to play well for them in Denver and not go crazy. They think he'll be able to help keep them guys in check there. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I forgot about Wade being there as uh, D.C. And he's the deepest coordinator in Denver when, when Tlaib was there, so it's already that familiarity. And, every, and all the players from everywhere Wade's been, they seem like they love Wade. He's definitely a player's coach. You know, so, um, it, like I said, having a guy like that, you're right, may, you know, make things uh, okay during that locker room. But, you know, like I said, if they're, if they're not winning, <laughs> you know, if, they, if they're not winning, the team is struggling. Like, I can see that thing blowing up, man. But they got too much talent not to uh, do it big this year and advance even further uh, in the playoffs than what they did last year. You were still on Dez Bryant. Why? Still no word on Dez Bryant's contract. But I just think it's not looking good. <laughs> Each day he passes, they kind of put a squeeze on him. The money is drying up fast and fast and faster. Yeah, I think, like I said, at the end of the day, man, I really think Dez doesn't want to go anywhere else. And, you know, he'll play hardball to the last minute. You know, they'll they'll play chicken uh, between Dez and, uh, and and Stephen Jones, the front office there, you know. But um, at the end of the day, man, I, I think he's going to take a pay cut. He has to at this point. They, like I said, the Cowboys got them right where they want them. Yeah, all the <laughs> they really do. All it's the all, like I said, the market's dried up. You're not going to get $16 million anywhere else. You're, not probably, you're probably not going to get $10 million, uh anywhere else, man. The Cowboys got them right where they want them to take the cut. And like I said, you know, you put incentives in a deal that if he reaches, he can make close to what you know he would make normally. But you can't, you can't pay dead $16 million anymore. I wouldn't even pay him. I'd I, I be like, look, bro. I got nine, nine point five million for you this year. What's up? <laughs> what you, what you want to do? Exactly. You know, until you sober, you can put up those numbers that you did back in twenty fourteen. I got nine, nine and a half million dollars. Now, do you feel like we're heading towards an Odell Beckham trade or the draft? Or do you feel like this is going to be a end of the season divorce or a franchise tag game if they play with Odell? I, I feel like this is not going to go well for either side. He's going to be acting. He's going to be all in his feelings. All upset if he don't get what he wants. Oh yeah, this is going to be a drama that's going to play out for a while, man. I, if I'm the Giants, I'm not trading Odell. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not trading Odell. You need Odell. You're talking about one of the top three receivers in the league. You know, you know, you you need that guy, man. Um, I, and I definitely wouldn't try to trade him to a contender or nothing like that. And like I said, if somebody's going, if somebody's going to make a trade for him, okay, I'm I'm asking for everything. I want. Two first round picks. I want a player, a couple of players. Like I mean, because he, you expect a, a large haul for a guy like Odell, but his talent, you know, and you consider the fact he's only what 20, 23, 24 years old. I know he's coming off a serious injury last year, but you know he's gonna recover and bounce back full strength. Like when he's at, when he's at his best, can't nobody stop him. You know, he he's 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 one of the best receivers in the league. So, and then the NFL itself is it's a it's a tough hustle as far as the contracts are concerned, man, because they can tie you up. You know, your rookie deal could be about four or five years, and then after that, they can franchise you for like two years. So you already like in your sixth year before you can really get out there and make make big money, man. So, you know, the way that the contracts are set up, man, it's, it's, it's crazy in NFL. And, you know, hopefully they'll be able to change that when a new CBA rolls around uh, in 2020. They can change the contract terms, man, because right now, like I said, you know, especially for a running back, more so, but Odell, he's in a tough spot. When you outperform your contract, your rookie contract, 
you know, you've outperformed by a mile, but, you know, the team is going to play tough and, and stick to what your rookie, your rookie contract dictates. So, you know, it's, it's a tough deal for Odell, man. But I don't see the Giants trading them, but I do see this drama uh, being played out for the entire season, though. Bruh, I got some stories for you to close out the segment today. Here we go. This is some stories I'm throwing you your, your mind off, bro. Here we go. We got this. Pregnant on the low, man. Get this. Florida woman thought her 37-week pregnancy was, quote, just some bad Chinese food. Wow. I've, I've heard a similar story like this before. Uh, and, and like I said, you know, some people don't, they don't show, you know, uh, no belly or anything like that, but actually they feel the symptoms. But uh, but yeah, like I, that's more that's more believable, more believable than not though. You know, as far as some of these stories, like just sound crazy. That one I can see happening. I'm trying to figure out how did she not? She said said she just felt like she would eat Chinese food and make her sick. She said she only felt it felt weird when she ate Chinese food, but this time the, the pain didn't go away. Yeah, um, that was the baby. <laughs> the baby said. I, the baby said, I don't want no damn Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And this is another story. This is a, a famous Florida woman. Evelyn Lozada says she still trusts ex-headbutting husband Chad Johnson with her life. You know what? I really do think that uh, there was love there between those two. You know, I, I really think they, they really uh, had a connection there. And, you know, with the headbutt thing and all that, you know, Chad lost his mind or whatever. But, um, like I said, I hate, I hate they didn't uh, make it, man. Because think about it. They were, for a few more years, they've been, what, a couple of reality shows. Like, you know, they would have been that celebrity in couple, you know. And then I think also Chad's career, taking a nosedive the way it did, kind of affected, affected him as well, you know. So, um, but, yeah, I can see her saying that because I really, I really think they had a – a bond there, a connection. You got there, right? It's pay your bills. Future Miss Tony Birdman Braxton owes, get this, $708,000 in back taxes. Ooh, bless her. Bless her. Like, she, Tony, stay in some financial uh, trouble, man. Like, I thought I had trouble. Well, my finances like Tony Braxton. <laughs> this has been going on for 20, 20-something years with her. Exactly. Yeah, she was broke. She uh, bankruptcy, IRS. Like, Tony Tony is, is, is living uh, like regular people, like regular folks out here. Ain't no, ain't no game with Tony Braxton, man. She ain't, she ain't no celebrity status. I mean, she's a celebrity, but with her finances, man, she's like everybody else. You got that right, and Terrell Owens shoots his shot with Elia, saying, quote, she can burn my clothes. Hold on, one more thing about Tony. Uh, she, uh, she ducking. She ducking bill collectors like we do. She got screening her calls. 1-800, oh, hell no. 1-800, <laughs> hell no. 1-855, ignored. Block them quickly. Exactly. Exactly. She changing her voice. She doing everything, man. Yeah. But, yeah, no T.O. I mean, why you want Iggy, though, bro? Why is he going for Iggy, man, since she can bring his clothes? Iggy, yeah, she's not cute. She's highly overrated, man. Musically, looks, everything, man. I don't see what Nick Young saw in her. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. 
Like, and, uh, if T.O., if you're trying to stay relevant, you know what I'm saying, you, you pick a, a better uh, a better uh, artist or actress or, or whatever. Why is you, bro? Exactly. And did you see this, uh, see this on, on Instagram and Twitter? And maybe it's the pain meds or maybe it's the Finney body lava, but Joel M.B. woke up from surgery and went straight to trying to tweet Ariana and get at her. Grande? No, Rihanna. Uh, Joel M.B. Oh, Rihanna. Okay. Yeah, Joel M.B. wanted Rihanna. I mean, did he get down, shot down by her once? Hey, man, you know, M.B. said, hey, you know, when you shoot your shot once and gets rejected, man, you got to keep shooting. Now, see, me, I'm the type of guy, if I shoot my shot once, I ain't gonna keep shooting it. But if you if you got money like that, you an NBA, you know, you a star. I mean, yeah, I guess you know. But to me, it'd be too much. I got too much pride. You know what I'm saying? But I guess some cats say, and B said he ain't too proud to be. You know? I'm with you, bro. I'm, I'm gonna shoot my yeah. shot one time. What's up? I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. With you. It's too much out here. It really is. To be stuck it out, really stuck is. Stuck on one, like look. I mean, and some people are like, man, man, nah, I'm not going back. I move forward. I believe in that story of Solomon and Gomorrah. When Lot's wife ran to a pillar of salt, you stuck in that, you stuck. Why am I going to go back no for? I'm going to keep on going no pushing forward and keep on ahead. I'm not going to go back. You had a chance. You blew it. I'm, I'm moving on. Exactly. I'm going on that go route. We got two more for you, bro. Here we go, man. This story right here is, you might, Red Lobster has introduced this new crispy fried lobster and cheddar bay waffle meal that might ruin your day. Now say what now? They got a new crispy fried lobster and cheddar bay waffle meal that may ruin your day at Red Lobster. That don't even sound digestible. Exactly. It don't look good either. I got passed in there, boss. Yeah, and the last one I got for you is, bro. Florida woman gets charged with giving birth to her brother's baby. I heard about this one. Hey, only in Florida, man. We'll see you stay, bro. I feel that, bro. I feel you, bro. Well, look, before we go, man, uh, what you got going? I know we're getting the April seat. We're April time. We're at the Aries. What you got going out over there at Clicks, a sports bar and billiards over there, man, on Malco, way down in Memphis, man? Oh, man, it's popping, man. Shout out to you, boss, man, for always, always, you know, shouting us out, man, always hyping us up, you know, at the spot, man. So I appreciate that. But, yeah, it's going down each and every Saturday night, man. You know what's happening at Clicks, the liveest party spot in the city. Click Sports Bar and Billiards, man. So we do karaoke each and every Saturday. The Three Kings, the live karaoke crew in the city. So if you're in the city of Memphis this weekend, you're trying to find something to get into tonight. Man, come on out to Click, man. And then uh, the next day, Sunday, man, we got a karaoke brunch going down as well, man. So we got big things popping this weekend. That's the Three Kings, folks. Trust us records. Boston, JC, three-man weave. We are out. And if you don't know, now you know, you know.